Welcome to Adventures in Evaluation Podcast with James Coyle and Kylie Hutchinson. Hi, I'm James Coyle. I'm an internal evaluator with a large regional health authority in Canada. And I'm Kylie Hutchinson, and I'm an external evaluator, currently working as an internal evaluator with an NGO in Africa. And what the heck is the name of this show? <laughs> and together we make adventures in evaluation. So, yeah. So, Mr. Coyle, how was your week? Uh, my week was grand. It was uh, grand. Well, right now it's actually a new statutory holiday here in BC, Canada. Oh, so right. I have the day off. So that's a pretty good thing. Uh, last week was good. Um, I think uh, I think probably some of the um, the most uh, interesting news is that um, for me and good news is that a friend of mine um, actually ties in today's topic. We're going to talk a bit about statistics, aren't we? Mm-hmm. Yeah, a good yes. friend of mine uh, who I think I've probably told you a little bit about, Yolanda Martins. She's a senior survey methodologist at Children's Hospital in Boston and Dana-Farber Cancer Institute. She actually uh, successfully had a double lung transplant. Oh, that's right. I remember this email. Yeah. And she's okay, is she? Yeah, she's actually made it out of the ICU. I mean, she's, she had the surgery a little while back, but she made it out of the ICU in record time. And uh, so I, wanna, I know she listens to our show. And she's probably uh, one of the biggest stats gurus. She's usually who I go to about statistics. She was my statistics TA in graduate study. So I want to send out uh, well wishes to her and her family. And uh, so uh, really, really happy to hear that because, you know, Lord knows we need more statisticians. Well, she probably knows what the what the stats are on double lung transplants too, probably oh, all yeah. too well. Yeah, yeah, she's learned a great deal about the uh, – the American healthcare system and navigating that. And so, yeah, well wishes to her and look forward to seeing her, uh, you know, and back on the road and traveling to visit friends. Yeah, good, good. Yeah. Well, I've had an interesting week as yeah, well. Uh, so I've been working on some uh, mobile data collection and um, was learning some software. And I actually got an opportunity to fly to Kampala, Uganda, and work with this team, helping them with this software. The uh, the 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 person that they had brought in and and their statistician, the poor guy, came down with appendicitis <laughs> here, and um, so he's doing fine. He's doing fine. In fact, he's two floors above me right now in the hotel. We just had a meeting with him hobbling around in his little jammies. Um, but uh, <laughs> but uh, so I came in at the last minute to replace him, and um, I wasn't going to turn down an opportunity to, to come to Uganda. And I got to tell you, James, I'm staying at possibly um, the nicest hotel I've ever stayed at in my life. This doesn't and sound like more volunteer work. No, and I have to tell you, I'm not a hotel diva or a prima donna when I travel at all, um, but they had to put me here because it has the fastest um, internet bandwidth in all of Uganda, and everything I'm doing is 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 online. But, you, but what I have to tell you is that um, for the very first time in my life, when I got off the plane and exited the airport, there was a person there waiting for me with a sign with my name on it. Wow. I have waited... 46 years for that to happen. Did you and get a picture it, of you and the driver and the sign? <laughs> I did take a picture of the person holding the sign. That's I cool. Did. And, you know, I 
I don't know. I mean, unless you're he who can he who cannot be mentioned, you know. I think as evaluators, that doesn't happen too often to us, and probably won't in the future. So I relished I relished every moment of it. Yeah, did it have like a bunch of scotch and stuff in the back seat of the limo? Uh, not quite, but you know, when I walked into the hotel, it was about nine o'clock at night, and the and the the bellman said, "Oh, hello, Mrs. Hutchinson. We've been waiting for you." And I just went, "Oh my god!" <laughs> That's so weird. That's like that George Clooney movie up in the air where everywhere he goes, everybody knows his name just because he flashes that, you know, that American Airlines card or whatever. Well, you know, I always used to be really a bit dismissive of, of uh, you know, people and aid workers who stay in really fancy hotels, you know, and I was like, oh, I would never do that. But uh, You've I have been a really corrupted. good excuse. No, I don't. I have a really good excuse that um, we are doing some really like intense work here and it's all based on it's all online and if I don't have a decent internet connection so that's my excuse anyways we've been rambling quite a bit but this this week we're going to talk about um, statistics is is that correct we are and I hope you're going to carry me through this one because uh, you know it's been a little while stats is uh, stats is something I, I use in a lot of different ways we will both share our experiences but by no means, I don't know about you, uh, by no means, uh, major disclaimer, am I a statistician? I rely on the skills of others. And uh, at the same time, it's a core competency uh, for evaluators in a couple different ways. So it's a good topic. Well, and, you know, I, I think you actually just kind of summed up the whole point that I probably want to make in this podcast is is that it's a core competency. But, you know... There's a difference between an evaluator who does stats and a, and a full-on statistician, and, mm -hmm. and you know, fi finding out where that line is. Um, you know, how much stats should your average evaluator um, have under their belt? And um, you know, I'm I read this somewhere, and I think it's very very true. You know, I know just enough stats to be really dangerous, right? And mm -hmm. uh, and. Uh, you know, I, I don't know about your situation, but I'm totally going to come clean about my situation. So when I when I left school, I was the queen of SPSS. I considered myself the queen of SPSS, you know, and I had this, I was a, a research a assistant. Uh, I, no, I didn't get a crown. I should have, though. But, but you know, I walked with my head high. Um and, you know, whatever, whatever I was working for this prof and whatever she wanted, I would just whip off for her. I, I could do it in SAS and SPSS. And then I went off and had various jobs, you know, and then I eventually fell into the whole evaluation consulting role. And I thought, well, you know, it's been a few years, better get back into my, into my stats. And I remember purchasing SPSS. And uh, I can't remember now how many years I've been on my own. Um, That's when you realize just how expensive this stuff is when your school and your boss used to have it for you, eh? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, so I'm, I I remember buying like the desktop version and it was 1997 and I thought, okay, this is, you know, one of the investments I have to make when I'm starting up my consulting firm. And, uh, you know, X years later, I, I never cracked the seal on the package because what I found myself doing was falling into a certain kind of evaluation niche where I was mm. working with small not-for-profit organizations, blah, blah, blah. You know, I, I've told you the whole spiel. But um, so as a result, my stats started to get really, really rusty. And, and, and coincidentally, what I did realize, though, in the first year that I needed was facilitation skills. And we talked about that at the right, last episode. Right. But I was dishing out all kinds of money on, on getting training and facilitation. So, you know, fast forward 
um, how many years that um, my stats were getting really uh, quite rusty, and you know, to the point where I'd go to AA, AEA and go, mm, you know, I better take a better take a workshop on this and stuff. But there's no point in taking a workshop if you don't go back and actually use it with a contract, right? Mm-hmm, and I just mm-hmm. was never get, never getting contracts, so so mine got quite rusty. And, uh, you know, I don't want to monopolize the discussion, but that's my come clean point. You probably just want to jump in now at this at this point. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. You know what? I, I think, again, we go back to the reason for this podcast and it's to share our stories. And for those that are interested and some people clearly subscribe to um, and probably enjoy some shows more than others. You know, each of us has to go through this. Um, however, we probably got to evaluation. Some people probably get to avoid it. Uh, my story, um, you know, was I came up through psychology, right? right. And so <clears throat> it was a required course. Um, you couldn't get around it. And it was dreaded by a lot of people. People, I think, in my undergrad got into psychology, some of them thinking, oh, good, I'll never have to do math again. And then yeah. they were required to take, you know, a second year stats course and a third year stats course. And each year it was a core course. And if they didn't do well in it, they didn't move on. Um, mm-hmm. For me... I was comfortable with math, um, but, you know, the statistical, you know, uh, calculations, all that stuff was fine. But back in the day, probably like you, it was pretty manual. The software, you had to do the coding manually and you had to do everything by longhand. And I'll be, I'd be lying if I said I didn't find that a little tedious, but, um, you know, I did find it become valuable when I got to grad studies. Right. When I was much more interested in psychology, in my own case, in doing my own research and publishing that, I had to actually learn about what statistics were useful for. Um, I, I had a better understanding of the fundamentals of them because you'd actually practice them for a few years. So like you said, I mean, if you don't have a contract or you have no reason to, it's kind of abstract. Um, mm-hmm. But in grad school, as I said, I mentioned, I had a great TA in my friend Yolanda and, and I had a pretty good prof there um, who went back to the basics I found mm-hmm. undergrad statistics, at least in my program, we skip through stuff so quickly. Um, as good as, and we'll maybe talk about a, com- a couple of our favorite resources, but we skip through the textbooks so quickly that we never really got to appreciate, um, you know, the rich value that statistics offers. But um, in my own case, I guess, in, in jobs that I've had in evaluation since, you know, 1999, uh, we've always used some statistics from time to time. Uh, and when I talk about statistics here, I'm thinking more of the sort of inferential type, you know, or, you know, doing some hard statistical tests. But I think you and I um, probably use the sort of descriptive side of statistics every day. And mm. so for, you know, this isn't meant to be a tutorial for anybody who's listening to us. Uh, you need to open up your basic textbook. But, you know, we do descriptive statistics and, and analyze our data and describe it and, uh, you know, it, graph it and those kinds of things every day. It's more the statistical tests where you're doing correlations, analysis of variance, regression, those kinds of things that some of us, and I agree, I haven't fallen into a niche where it's not used, but it, it's used a lot less than, um, you know, I would think it's needed to be super competent. Yeah, yeah. It really it really kind of depends on who, who are your clients and, and what is your niche. And so in my case, fast forward to 2012 and I go skipping over to Africa and all of a sudden I find myself, um, you know, I'm doing my dream evaluation project. And but I'm, I realized really quickly, 
oh boy, you know, I'm doing a, a, a really big quasi-experimental design and I've got to get my statistics back now. And so, uh, you know, I'm really appreciative that I've had this opportunity to kind of get me back, you know, get, get them all brushed up and everything. So what I, what I, what was interesting I found was, I don't know if you've ever kind of, you know, learned Spanish on a holiday, James, or something like that, or learned mm -hmm. French in high school, and, and then you don't use it, and then all of a sudden you find yourself on a trip to Paris or something, and, and you realize it's there. It, 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 it just needs to kind of be pulled out of an area of your brain, and that's what I, I found because I basically had to reteach myself mm -hmm. SPSS. Um, and I gotta say, so I, you know, I purchased the most recent version of SPSS and it certainly doesn't look like what I was using, you know, 25 years ago or whatever, mm -hmm. but I, I gotta say, I found the, I found the help function and mm -hmm. the, and the tutorials in it really easy to do. Um, I used a couple YouTube videos to just show me my first, you know, just to, to explain the interface and get me off on my way. And, um, yeah, I was I was pleasantly surprised how much came back mm -hmm, um, me too. Over, over that time. And yeah. uh you know, I think you, we talked about, you know, we we did that um a, we did that talk with podcast with Anne Emery about mm -hmm. things that you learn in grad school, right? And and it's like that foundation of stats. That's one of those things you might leave them for 10 years, but when you come back, you you've kind of got that foundation of yeah, it's, I, I totally agree. For me, I can see that I have a foundation. And it's very it's very different than when you work with someone and you realize they have no foundation. They don't have any understanding of, you know, um, you know, a, a normal distribution, uh, the concepts of variance um, or error is, is completely unknown. Um, I, it's it, it's nice to be able to go back and play with it. And I, I was actually going to ask you, when's the last time or what was the last time you actually did something that stretched you um, statistically? <laughs> oh, like two weeks ago? Yeah, tell us about uh, that. What did you do? Uh, well, it's, it's more that it... Um, well, there's a couple of things. You know, I'm, I'm furiously writing down notes because I, 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 I want to remember all of these things. But... You know, I think there are a lot of, first of all, I want to say that there's a lot of evaluators out there that are using stats daily, and I think that's wonderful. I think there's other evaluators, they might be internal evaluators that, they, that work for institutions where, you know, they do have that expertise on hand, and I think that's great as well. I think to have, there's probably like a minimum a minimum knowledge or something or skill that an evaluator should have. But just mm -hmm. because you're not a walking statis statistician, um, I don't think you need to go around kind of feeling a little bit embarrassed or ashamed or, you know, something like that, which I kind of did. But I, but one of the things that I did, I, I always had a stats guru, somebody that when I hit, mm -hmm. hit the wall, particularly here in Africa, when I realized what I was getting into, I thought, I can't do this myself. I've got to have somebody that I can run things by. So I've got my stats guru back home, you know, mm -hmm. Shana Rusticus, shout out for her. And whenever I've got a question, then I just email her or I Skype her and just say, you know, Shana, this is what I think I'm doing. Am I on the right track? And it that just makes me feel really good. I'm trying to think when I did my stats course, um, and it was in the 80s. It was, I don't know. When did I graduate? I can't even remember now. Oh, it was the set. It was like the latter half of the 80s. 
And um, all of a sudden, I'm working, you know, fast forward 25 years or whatever, and I'm working with this, my stance guru, and she starts talking about this thing, because I said, oh my gosh, I've got significance, oh my god, I'm so excited, I'm so excited, and she said, yeah, but what's the effect, and I went, huh, <laughs> she said, what's the effect size, and I said, I, I, I don't know, I don't care, but I've got a, I got a p-value, Shane, and she's like, she basically, you know, kind of got me up to speed and said, look, you know, when you did your stance training, we weren't really talking about effect size, but now we are, and uh, it is becoming more and more a kind of uh, critical thing that you report on. And I was like, effect size? What is this? What is this? And she's talking about things like Cohen's D value and eta squared, and I was like, it took me a while to get my head around it until, until James, I read the most amazing little ebook, and. Um, it is only uh, 50 pages long, and that's uh, that's nothing. It's by a guy called Paul D. Ellis, and it's called Effect Size Matters. And this is something um, that a guy who's taught stats for 15 years has been really kind of frustrated to see how this whole kind of new statistical measure of effect size is is um, still not being taken up by a lot of disciplines. And he quotes. He, he's got a couple of quotes in this book, um, and, and I'm just going to read one of them. It says, statistical significance is the least interesting thing about the results. You should describe the results in terms of measures of magnitude, not just does a treatment affect people, but how much does it affect them. Mm -hmm. So, and, and I know, you know, there's lots of people listening to this right now going, well, yeah, Kylie, I know that. But the thing is, you had your training much later than me. So I'm part of this generation where we didn't get this in our in our stats classes. And we we didn't get this in our stats textbooks. And when I look at this book was actually produced by this guy, November 2012. And he spends a lot of time in it saying that there's still a lot of stats textbooks that are not paying attention to effect size. There's still a lot of journals that are not demanding um, effect size when people are quoting results. And he he just talks about how this is just this kind of ignored, um, kind of new but ignored measure. And to me, it just like, wow, the penny dropped and I, I feel so excited about it. <laughs> well, you sound excited. <laughs> Well, of course, I mean, for me, I think part of the reason I um, enjoyed getting not out of research but into evaluation was that we were interested in actually looking at, um, you know, what was the effect. And, you know, I'm, it's a little bit different. Won't get into qualitative and quantitative and some of those analyses, but I think from from qualitative analyses, one of the things that, that you're reminding me of is, you know, is there substantive significance? So right. statistical is one thing, but, you know, are, are you talking about, you know, the intervention raising, you know, the average of kids who had a 30%, you know, failing big time in whatever course to right. statistically significant and now it's 33. Right. Well, you went from 30 to 33. So yeah, you're heading in the right direction. <laughs> it may yeah. be statistically significant based on the number of students and what have you, but they're still not passing. Yeah, exactly. You know, or exactly. or or if you've got two interventions, which one has the greater effect size? You know, right. and and so you know, which one do you want to go with? So no, I, I mean, effect is effect is something that 
I find working with people, quote unquote, in the real world, they're intuitively wanting to see that, you know, presented, whether it's a statistical effect size calculated, but also, you know, in the descriptive version of the data, it, the stories should line up with the statistic as well. Well, and he he kind of urges he kind of urges you in this book, you know, that you need to, like, okay, if you have an R value or, or something, if you have um, a D value, that you need to put it in the context of what you're actually evaluating. And I, I don't know, I just think it's kind of cool that you know, I, I I feel a little bit like Rip Van Winkle, right? My my stats education and and work in stats kind of ended when I finished school and then I fell asleep and I woke up 20 years later and wow there's this really cool statistical test out there and I think this guy in this book and obviously I'm going to put the link on the website he just explains it so clearly and concisely and you can sit down and you can read it in an hour and you know and and this is I'm not obviously mentioning this for those of you those listeners who are using this stuff all, all the time. I'm mentioning it for, you know, the people like me who are my age or older and are feeling like, yeah, their stats are a little bit rusty and, you know, stuff like that, or, or people who aren't just using them every day. And, and that's okay. I think if you're not, you know, cranking out ANOVAs, multifactorial ANOVAs every day as an evaluator, I think that's, that's fine. It's just no, when you need to get more expertise in the area. And there's nothing wrong with being, you know, the quick and dirty evaluator working in the trenches, because Lord knows I've done it for, for long enough. But, you know, just because you're not doing a randomized control trial doesn't mean that you're not doing valuable evaluation. You're just doing a different niche, a different type of evaluation. Mm -hmm. I have no idea what that has to do with Rip Van Winkle, his uh, nagging wife, Dame Van Winkle, or any of the others, but I agree. <laughs> Rip Van Winkle, he fell asleep, remember, for a hundred years and then he woke up? Oh, I'm thinking of Rip Van Winkle was some guy who told kids stories in the New York Catskills, but... <laughs> what? what? <laughs> You're not mixing him up with Rumpelstiltskin, are you? I hope not, but hey, that's okay. Yeah. Our American friends will set us straight. <laughs> yeah. Anyways... So, so what else do we what, well, yeah what I, else do we need to talk about stats? I guess we you know we'll post a couple of resources. I mean I, I don't know what your first textbook was. Mine was uh, I think it was David C. Howell's um, Statistics and Psychology or something like that. Great book and you know if you had the tolerance to actually read through it, um, I found most statistics texts um, they can be a little dry, but most of them have a good sense of humor. The ones that are in multiple uh, versions and publications. But I totally agree with you that if it's not going to be your forte or your area of super competence is to have a mentor, a coach, or a guru that you can consult yeah. with. And I think that takes a lot of pressure uh, off you. I was going to say that, um, you know, in, in my own experience, um, and just recently I was asking you when you use stats, um, I think in the last uh, week um, I was preparing a report for a senior executive and um, you could graph the data and clearly see there, clearly see, huh, we'll, we'll get to that, that it didn't mm -hmm. like there was any correlation between uh, two different indicators. And there was this question from senior executive, well, you know, is this changing just because we put in these other resources? And so if you graph them, you know, over the last three years, there appears to be no relationship. 
And I even, you know, did a, the first thing, what do you do in a lot of stats courses they tell you is to plot your data, you know, visual inspection of the data, look at the uh, scatter plot and see if there's any kind of, you know, uh, you know, correlation or, or what visually there wasn't any, but then I was, I was encouraged by a colleague and friend at work who said, well, why don't you just do the statistic on it? And so I guess what I found is sometimes we get a little lazy. We have the tools available to us. We do have the foundational knowledge, but we don't bother um, to do this, the actual statistical analysis that strengthens uh, the story. And right. so, you know, I, I think that's important for some of us who maybe um, are in a culture where there isn't a lot of understanding for, you know, statistics. There isn't a lot of demand even, you know, to try and do those calculations. And so I guess I'm reminded that it, it's a competency um, for those of us, you know, in the Canadian Evaluation Society falls under two sections of the technical practice. Um, <laughs> if you know how to do it, then do it once in a while. Um, but by the same token, don't go fishing for, you know, as we all but, know. Sorry, I, I, I'm not sure I understand. Do you mean that you should be doing those hand calculations yourself? No, not hand calculations. I mean, oh, if okay. you all the data... Yeah, And someone asks you a question, well, is there a correlation, for example, between these two indicators? And you can look at it and say, no, I'm pretty sure there isn't. And everybody around the table kind of agrees. Hey, you know, put the data in SPSS or R or SAS or whatever your program is. And if you know how to run that appropriately, do it. Right. Because then you actually right. have the statistical value in addition to, you know, uh, the rest of the, the graphed and, and storied data. So I have a question for you, um, and I, I'm watching the time, but, you know, as somebody who's kind of refound my stats, Rip Van Winkle, right? I've woken up. Oh. Um, <laughs> so I just kind of naturally went back to SBSS, and I was able to get, uh, I realized I couldn't buy it as a package. I could only buy a one-year license, and thankfully I was able to get it because I have a faculty position um, somewhere, and so I was able to get that. Um, but that's only for a year. So, you know, what else are people using out there? Because I hear about R, but then when I hear about R, I hear that, okay, it's free, but you have to do a lot of upfront um, programming in mm -hmm. it. Yes, something that probably you and I don't want to do. No way. Yeah, it's not my thing. I mean, if you go on our good old friend Eval Talk, I mean, even this week, there's a good thread on um, anybody out there want to tell me how to describe a normal distribution? Um and, uh, you know, there's always good statistical threads and there's a lot of help in our community uh, for, for coding and using programs like our, I work as an internal evaluator. And so we have the benefit of having, um, you know, uh, enough people that creates a, a critical mass for demand for a program like SPSS. Uh, mm -hmm. Some people prefer SAS and so they, they bug their boss to pay for that. But, you know, honestly, um, if I can't do it in Excel or I can't do it in SPSS, you know, I'm probably not even allowed. Here's the thing. I'm probably not even allowed to install freeware on my um, corporate computers, uh, right? So right. I would then have to, what, install it at home, bring what, maybe confidential data home to my home computer. That's a violation. That's not, you know, appropriate. So I don't do that. Yeah. Um, so I think if you're a private consultant, then you have a lot more latitude and you know, which programs you want to use. And I think for those that are really statistically minded and interested in coding, um, you know, it would be interesting to get someone on our show in the future who is a statistician um, 
who is you know very comfortable coding uh, to discuss the merits and pros and cons of uh, maybe get a couple of people to debate the pros and cons of different software. But uh, you know, I, I won't be making any decisions on that anytime soon. Oh well, I totally know who that person is because he's two floors above me right now. <laughs> In this hotel in, in Kampala, he's he, he's the statistician who had appendicitis, and um, he's great, and he's he's extremely helpful. So, are you um, you feeling that crown is uh, ready to put back on your head, or still? Oh no, no 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 no! But um, I'm feeling a lot more. Um, how can I describe it? You know, that little nagging thought at the back of my head going, oh, you're not using your stats. You're not using your stats, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, it, and it was really, really very pronounced whenever I'd be at an AEA conference, right? And all these all these incredible academic people are buzzing around and, and stuff like that. And I just sometimes would just kind of shrink in a corner thinking, oh, I'm just a little community-based evaluator. You know, that's, um, a, that's a really good thought. I think another future talk we could have is... is- you know, and I, I used to be more in that world research-wise, uh, but is what's the academic side of evaluation like? And you're right, there's different cultures, and, and you know, you and I have a culture that's a little bit more similar, or two cultures, than the academic side of our field. So, you know, I th- as I'm thinking about, you know, our main messages um, from today, I think, you know, you and I both talked about needing to have uh, someone who's an expert or a coach on hand. I think if you get a solid foundation, um, you know, and it is a core competency for evaluators, it's important to know that it can come back, um, but that uh, you really need to flex that muscle. You really need to practice uh, in order to be able to keep it fresh and keep it useful. And then, um, you know, any other messages from you? Um, Well, you know, keeping it fresh and keeping it useful, there's no shortage of uh, webinars uh, free online courses right. and um, e-learnings from AEA. You know, there's a lot out there, and Lord knows I was frantically looking up all of them last fall. So, um, you know, some are good, some are not good. But mm-hmm. uh, that, and maybe you, tuning into uh, Effect Size for those who've been out of um, stats for a while. Oh yeah, I can't recommend this book highly enough. Yeah. Well, I got to tell you, this team that I'm working with right now in Kampala. Um, they're rolling out major, huge five-year RCT evaluating um, literacy intervention, and it's just like rigor, rigor, rigor at the yin-yang. And, and I just, I'm reveling in it. I'm just sucking it all up because I just feel like I've been so far away from rigor for so long, and I'm, I'm picking tons and tons up around this and uh, so it's been great. I got to tell you folks if you if your evaluation career is stalled, come to Africa. <laughs> Africa needs you and it has wonderful big evaluation budgets and all sorts of wonderful professional challenges and uh, yeah, can't recommend it highly enough. Well, I think that's a good place for us to wrap. Yeah, that's good. That's Well, good. listen, Kylie, I should let you get back to enjoying your swank uh, hotel there. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to go out for a cross-country ski now. So uh, maybe we'll just uh, let everybody know uh, we uh, continue to appreciate those who listen to our podcast. Uh, for those of you who have found us on uh, iTunes, uh, you can also find our website, adventuresandevaluation.podbean.com. And there you can leave us a message or you can contact us by email directly. For those of you who want that email right now and have a pen and paper or your iPhone ready, uh, it is adventures in evaluation podcast at gmail.com. Well, listen, have a good rest of your week. 
You too, James. I will. And uh, we'll, we'll talk to you in a couple of weeks. Okay, take care. Okay, bye. Bye.